You're listening to Conversion Nations, the podcast that helps conversion optimizers overcome challenges they face with their experimentation programs. Brought to you by Effective Experiments, the workflow and project management software helping optimizers make experimentation a core part of their business. Scale up your testing program with a centralized solution and document all your research, ideas, experiments, and results in one place. Learn more and request your free trial by visiting EffectiveExperiments.com. And now, your host, Manuel DaCosta. Welcome. You're watching or listening to Conversion Nations. Uh, my name is Manuel DaCosta, your host from Effective Experiments. And we're here uh, with uh, two guests, uh, one who's been with us before, Valerie Kroll from Search Discovery. Hey, Val, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, good. It's good to have you back on. Uh, I know you were with us at the end of uh, season one, as we're putting, calling it. And this is season two of uh, Conversion Nations. With, uh, we've already got a running theme from the episodes we've, we've filmed. So it's, it's, uh, it's good to have you on and get your insights on that. Um, and joining us for the first time is uh, Connor Wilkinson. Uh, uh, Connor, you want to introduce yourself and uh, tell us who you are? Yeah, cool. So uh, I'm uh, Connor Wilkinson. I work for Asda Walmart. Uh, I am responsible for A-B testing, multivariant testing. Uh, I, always, I always say multivariant testing because people kind of understand what that is. Um, I don't know if I do, to be honest. But um, anyway, so uh, optimization for the groceries element of Asda. So we sell groceries online. Um, we're now second in the market in the UK. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's what I do. Cool, good stuff. And uh, so... Conversion Nations is all about uh, conversations, about um, conversion optimization. I need to really memorize that line. But you know, <laughs> what, what are you talking to us about uh, today, Connor? Yeah, so um, I've been in the industry now for nearly uh, six years um, doing what I'm doing. Um, I don't call it uh, CRO um, for a couple of reasons. And I just wanted to kind of debate around you know, whether CRO is right, whether it helps or hinders um, the actual practice uh, within certainly my organization or any organization and just to see experiences around that, basically. So. so the first question that comes to mind, if it's not CRO, then what do you call it then? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> it's a very good question. So um, we've got, I've got different strands to it. So my strategy is around uh, three main elements, uh, which is around uh, sort of what, what we're coining the phrase of controlled analytics, which is basically um, trying to have a control and a, and a variant and controlling rollouts of products. Um, then we've got sort of feature development, which is kind of more true A-B testing, which is more, we call it uh, feature development or feature, feature deployment. Um, and then we've got sort of um, a more of a data decisioning piece, which is around, you know, how do we, build a backlog of ideas to then drive decisions going forward sort of thing. So those are, those are the three elements that we uh, work on. Obviously conversion rate can be part of uh, any of those experiments or trials. Um, but you know, they're, it's broader than that in my, in my experience, in my mind. So. That's interesting. Val, have you come across any organizations that you've talked to or worked in, where the term conversion rate optimization is almost like a negative in that sense? Or what's your take on what Connor's just mentioned? Yeah, I think uh, a large majority of, of organizations, including ones that I've been a, a part of in the past, didn't use the term CRO. That's kind of like how I labeled myself. But a lot of people were like, oh, that's the testing girl. Like I, <laughs> I see her and I know that she does the testing set, right? Um, or that's what her team works on. Um, and I think that one of the struggles that I, I deal with when it comes to this is like, is it digital analytics and optimization? Is it digital analytics and experimentation? Is digital analytics not necessary? Because I think a lot of people are coming to this role from a lot of different places. Now, I think one of the natural first places was the web analytics industry and digital analytics, since they were the ones that were holding on to these descriptive statistics about application and website results. But um, I think there's product people and marketing people that are coming into this role. And so I think they, they kind of view themselves differently. So I've never, um, never seen it as a hindrance, um, but I definitely think that the label of testing um, has been an issue in past organizations that I've been a part of. 
Gotcha. So th this has been like an age-old debate, right? With even, I remember, like, I think it was like a couple of years ago with Jeffrey Eisenberg and uh, Tim Stewart was involved in that. And it was on the Facebook, uh, the CXL group on, uh, on Facebook. And there was like, is the term CRO even relevant? Because we're not just doing, you know, increasing conversion rates, right? That seems such a myopic view of, of uh, what we do. Um, and then there was all sorts of uh, suggestions thrown in there. So there was uh, BRO, bro, uh, business revenue optimization. Uh, there was CXO, customer experience optimization. And then uh, left field suggestion from Angie Schottmuller, C3PO. Uh, customer... Um, process oh, I can't remember the, the whole thing but it was something 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 three P's and then uh, optimization she's a big Star Wars fan so yeah there we go but uh, I feel like personally speaking like with with conversion optimization when you talk to people about the the terms you've just mentioned uh, Connor would that kind like especially when you're talking to stakeholders is isn't CRO just like you know they get it even though it's not at a simplistic level but imagine going in with the terms you you've suggested. Would that then kind of make them? It might almost be an overwhelm factor there. Well, it's it's the, those three things are for different parts of the business. The the controlled analytics is very product focused. It's very we we talk to our product team mainly about controlled analytics, and they get that because you know they want their product to land well, so they want to know how it's performing before it lands. Um, so that makes sense straight away. Conversion CRO for them, it uh, doesn't really make any any sense. Um, uh, the feature piece, you know, I'm quite lucky in the fact that I can I own that track, so it's 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 not as much of a, a, a of a, an issue. Um, but the data decisioning has taken a bit of a uh, um, it's a bit it's a bit of a challenge to get that moving. Um, but it it it's, it resonates more than. CRO because it's if you think about the people in that pot from my perspective it's people like the merchandising team, uh, marketing, uh, you know th those types of uh, parts of the business that maybe when you talk about conversion rate, that's not necessarily what their metrics are. Um, yeah. So so it's kind of trying to I'm trying to basically tailor the discipline for different parts of the business and. What I, what I found out and what I think about CRO is as soon as you badge something as something uh, quite sing singular or narrow, um, it becomes harder to explain what it is. And that, that might sound odd, but, uh, if you, but in my experience, you, you call something CRO, it's like, oh, that's, that's really complicated. I don't get that. That's statistics. That's like all that stuff that I don't get. Whereas if you badge it in a way that, resonates for what that part of the business does it, it, it it's a bit it's a bit easier to to communicate it i would take the opposite view of cro though because like for me i feel like when you say cro people take a more simplistic view of it rather than a more complicated view they don't think about like from my experience they don't think about statistics they think about like button colors and like big wins and like exponential increases and we were talking again, about yeah Sorry, go on. Sorry, but I guess that's part of the problem, right? Because that's that you're badging it as something that's maybe uh, um, you're maybe oversimplifying it as well as overcomplicating it. Because yeah. you know, it's not just button colors. It's it's not just you know that when when I started this job, uh, people were asking me what I did, and I said I I I, I do A/B testing, think button colors, and it's like I, I've only done about two or three button color tests in my life <laughs> because. Um, it's not, um, we, we all know that those are a bit of a, a you know, false positive in themselves. Uh, so, uh, uh, so it's kind of like, you know, that it's, that's, that's kind of my take on it. Gotcha. I'm, I'm going to date this, this uh, recording memo for a sec. I'm about to head home to Easter this weekend. And inevitably, I'll run into 10 different conversations where one of my aunts or uncles or grandparents is going to say, oh, I know so-and-so, they do the same thing as you. And the list of things that they think are the same are PR, uh, digital <laughs> marketing, like, <laughs> it's so hard. So I, it's what? Computer repairs as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm having this issue with my iPhone, wondering if you could help me. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I think oftentimes, like what I resort to when I try to explain to someone who's outside the industry what I do, I do use button colors as my as my default. But I guess, and, and I would love to be proven wrong, like I'm really excited about this conversation, but I thought that CRO was a nice umbrella for a lot of the things that, that we're talking about here because um, conversion rate can mean so many things. So my, the past two roles that I was in in-house at the American Medical Association and within the investment bank at UBS, I never worked with a buy button or rarely did I work with like an on-site uh, button that was like the ultimate moneymaker that I was trying to uh, optimize for. So conversion rate meant different things to different people. So it stood for the placeholder of what valuable interactions can people take across your digital properties. And when you work with that flexible definition, I think it kind of served the different roles. So at the AMA, we had a couple pillars where it was very marketing, very funnel focused, very high stream, upstream. And then we also did some product stuff where we were working with like residents and trying to figure out how to match them with different programs. And that was product optimization. But I didn't feel like I had to change my hats to go between those two different meetings, if that makes sense. So maybe it's it's partially my my bias of, of where I come from that I never got to work on that big e-commerce site um, where the conversion rate meant something very specific and, and nothing else within the organization. Yeah, I think like, as Connor said as well, if you try and keep it, you know, do a small level, like just the conversion rate and, you know, you might all, almost shoot yourself in the foot. This was part of the discussion we had on, on uh, the previous podcast as well with Tim and Chad and even with Alex. It's about uh, CROs, especially the, the newer ones that are getting into the business uh, that come from other uh, parts of the industry like SEO or they, they've done some kind of digital marketing. But the first thing they end up, uh, you know, they get hired for the CRO role because the stakeholders have heard about CRO again. This is this is like something we need to really solve in the industry. Like uh, you, me, and Connor, we kind of agree that you know the, the the name, you know, might be a disservice, but we kind of get even if the name's there, we kind of understand what it means. But I have a feeling that a lot of the stakeholders around are hiring for these roles with that myopic definition of CRO. So when you get these new people coming in from other parts of the industry and trying to attack these low hanging fruit, which is another running theme of the season, you know, tackling that low hanging fruit, let's do those button color tests to show that they work. I think that almost does a disservice. So how, in your opinion, you know, both of you guys, how would, you, how would we tackle this problem within the industry or is it a problem at all? Um, for me, just, just to take a step back, um, when I tell my wife what I do, I explain it as, as the, the Chandler job, that nobody really knows what I do. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I, I... Every episode has had some pop culture reference. We've had Star Wars, we had, we had Game of Thrones, and now we have Friends. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so from my perspective, I, I caught up with a, with a, um, a peer uh, just, just yesterday, um, and um, he was saying that um, he's setting up a new uh, part of his um, agency, um, and uh, he was saying that he doesn't like the term CRO, but when he goes into a meeting with a potential client, he has to use it because it makes sense. Um, but it's kind of like it's a necessary evil in his mind. Um, I'm kind of putting words in his mouth there, but... Um, <laughs> but um, it's, it is a bit of a catch-22 because you need to explain quickly and effectively what you do to, um, to whoever it is you're, you're talking to. Um, but, you know, that, that myopic approach, is, it, it's a lot broader than that. And certainly I've, I've tried to set my team up to do more than just um, conversion rate. Uh, yeah. It's more about, you know, a broader sense of uh, optimization um, and to try and get to the bottom of data decisioning, really. So... Um, data decisioning sounds quite scary, um, but you know when you when you uh, when you break it down and you show some examples, I think I think people are quite open to to doing things differently. Yeah, I have a question for you, Connor. So you said that the controlled analytics group is more aligned with your product team. The first one that you mentioned that you said that you're in control of with the features is that not product, or is it also product, but you're considered separate within? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, the way we're set up, so we, so our technology partner is Walmart. So we work with Walmart International, and they uh, they run our uh, our tech platform. 
um, and they are our product team. So they, they're the extension of our, of our team. The feature development is more roadmap. So it's more trying things out in order to get them onto the product roadmap. Um, so we work kind of, it's kind of a hybrid. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a hybrid approach. So the feature bit that, that I work on, which is part of the business, feeds into the product team. So we have, we'll essentially provide a list of, of, um, of experiment, experimented on ideas with proven outcomes in order to drive the product roadmap for, for, the, for the coming year. And then when we build the products through the product cycle, when we land that we, we run the most controlled analytics experiments um, to, to, to basically make sure that they land um, with the right benefit. <clears throat> so yeah, it's quite, it's quite a nice, uh, it's quite a nice approach in my mind. It worked well for us. So. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I was just trying to think um, like if, if, to, to get, go back to your question, Manuel, like how do we solve this? Is it a problem? Like when, when I see a job wreck out where there's a description of responsibilities that align with what in my head I would define as a CRO, my interview questions don't change whether or not this person is me working more on like validation and product work or if this is more marketing because I, I kind of expect that same thought process and rigor to go behind how they conduct themselves within an organization that it's all about gathering evidence and putting together the right process, you know, getting the right buy-in from stakeholders so that you have power within the organization and, you know, communication of results and analysis. And, and so I kind of expect the same thing. Is this more like, because we're maturing that there's like um, sub roles and like factions within, but CRO is still the umbrella or, or do you guys truly feel that CRO is like a detriment that, that identifying with that as the, umbrella is doing a disservice I'm, I'm just curious your thoughts i don't have an answer <laughs> yeah, I, th I think the name isn't going away anywhere soon in my opinion i, th I feel the name cro is going to stick around the connotations attached to that name might evolve over time but i feel like as it stands right now so let me ask you this question Val, because you're agency side right now right so mm -hmm. you've gone from in-house to agency and the agency is obviously pitching to new clients right and mm -hmm. When you're pitching to clients, how is that pitched? Is that when you pitch your service, is that like CRO? Are you pitching it as uh, some kind of, well, we've heard of other agencies pitching growth hacking as well, right? That's like another <laughs> another umbrella term, but we're, we're not about growth hacking. We don't mention that word over here. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like he who shall not be named kind of stuff, right? <laughs> we, we don't talk about that here. But but I think with CRO as well, and I think the same with SEO as well. If we think if we take a step back and look at the evolution of SEO um, before CRO became a, a thing, um, you know, when it first started, like people would sell SEO on the fact of like, hey, it's page one. We'll get you to page one, rank one, right? Like, don't know how they manage ev to get everyone into page one, rank one. But I think the same thing is kind of, we, we see that in CRO as well, where you, uh, where you have people saying, yeah, we'll, we'll increase your revenue by X amount or your, um, you know, your, your conversion rates by so much. But I just feel like that's the wrong way of going about it. So I, I don't know, like, what's your take from the agency side? And like, how do you recommend people approach that? Yeah, I actually, and this might be like a regional thing, because um, CRO is how I self-identify, and that's what I feel is like my primary community underneath the analytics umbrella, but I feel like I rarely use that term when I'm talking with clients, or I'm even assisting with my clients in building their center of excellence, even when it's a program that we're not taking on ourselves, we're just, we're assisting, and like, we're an extension of their team. I feel like we tend to use more words like ex controlled experimentation and optimization and keep it more on that level. Because um, a lot of times people are coming to us and they're saying like, uh, we promised senior management we're gonna be running 10 tests a quarter, what do you got? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so it's like, okay, let's figure out. And so it's not so much um, we wanna hire a CRO, it's um, this is a new function or a new capability that someone in senior management said we need to be doing. Um, and either there's people internally that are hired for it or there's people in some similar roles that are saying, this is now my responsibility, but I realize there's a lot more behind this and, and on the hard skill side, even that I don't have like to your point, Connor, about the statistics side of things. Um, and so it's not so much about like, we wanna hire you to uh, be our CRO team. It's more about 
um, we have this tool, we want to make better use of it, or um, we need to be involving experimentation into either a product or marketing roadmap, how do we get there? Is CRO a, a really common term that's used in Europe and in London and is that, is that so. the language? I would say so. What about, what's your take on it, Connor? Like just generally like looking out at the industry? Um, I, Not ask, I, I know you guys use fancy words over there, but. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely, um, when you look at conferences or um, posts on LinkedIn and other places, uh, uh, it tends to be, you know, you know, some sort of hashtag CRO or something like that, which. With the Croatia you know, flag. <laughs> during, during football season it's just like the croatia flag popping up every time on twitter but yeah yeah um and uh, to be perfectly honest with you i've put that on my linkedin profile as well um yeah. externally so you know it's i'm a little bit hypocritical of me to, to raise the, <laughs> but um you know it, it's it is one of those uh, in my mind it's a necessary evil right now but i think you know when when I've seen, when I've spoken to you before, Manuel, we were talking about how you how you drive a, a culture of of optimization within a within a business. Um, I, I I personally think that when you badge something that's pretty, um, you know, when you boil it down to conversion rate optimization, uh, that's quite that's pretty, you know, to the point that myopic. It sort of it almost undersells what 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 we do so that that's kind of that's kind of where i'm coming from generally but yeah externally in the marketplace it makes it makes sense yeah so, so basically the headline should be do not use the word cro says cro expert right so that, should, <laughs> that should be like what we should put as our headline over there but um mm. th this is interesting right because again even as we know cro right or oh, the definition, the umbrella term, as you called it, Val, that it's research, it's, uh, you know, uh, improvements and yeah. all this, these kind of things. For some companies, even the, the younger ones they're starting up with, uh, you know, older companies with younger optimization programs, for them, CRO is just testing. When, in my opinion, it, you know, as, uh, as I'm hope you, I hope you'd agree, it's a lot more than that, right? Things like research and stuff and I've heard people say, yeah, we don't do that. Like, where do you pick your ideas from then? Out of thin air. No, but it's, <laughs> it's like, that is also conversion rate optimization. You know, like quite a, quite a lot of uh, websites don't have the traffic to test, but they can still be optimizing for other factors. And I know Tim said, uh, I was having a chat with Tim the other day, uh, one of the shorter ones. And he said that um, uh, he's not run any tests recently for a while now. Why? Because a lot of the optimization work that he's doing, the analysis work, you know, that's where most of his time is going in other parts of the business, right? And, and for optimizers, this came up in, in a previous podcast that as optimizers, we shouldn't be limited to just optimizing a website or a small part of it. If we can optimize, let's say, uh, part of the operations based on what we're finding, that should be fed back, right? We're talking about a culture of experimentation and optimization. Why not? Right. And uh, so what's your take on, on something like that then, Connor, like in terms of going beyond that little box of CRO? Yeah. So um, uh, right now I'm trying to um, outwardly uh, sort of uh, prompt decisioning outside of the web. So, so I work in the web team. Obviously, as there's a massive organization, there's a lot of different um, areas to, to, to talk about. We've got some really key pillars that we're focusing on this year. Um, and one of the things that resonates with those pillars is just the simple act of hypothesizing. So, you know, um, if you, if you to, to your point, Manuel, if you don't know enough about what you're going to test, then how can you test it sort of thing? So yeah. that's kind of, I'm trying to outwardly sort of um, evangelize and I know that's really sounds really like a simple part of, of, of conversion rate optimization. But as soon as you talk to someone in operations about hypothesizing what they're talking about optimizing, it's, it's a bit of a light bulb moment for them. It's, it's really quite, um, it, it sort of gets them thinking differently. So yeah, there's, there's a massive opportunity to take the discipline, um, the wider discipline of optimization and the elements of optimization and apply yeah. them across across business logic. So yeah, there's a, there's a big opportunity there. 
Because as you said, Val, mindset is the same, right? The, the optimization mindset, it doesn't matter if it's web or anywhere else. Sorry, I interrupted you there. Go for it. No, no, no. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's different tools for, for different, you know, different tools in your tool belt that you pull out. I think a lot of that I've seen happen naturally to not be just focused on landing pages or things like that. Like if you're, if the goals of your optimization program are aligned with your business goals, like it's naturally going to spread to other areas. And I actually think one of the things that I don't think CROs, if that's a naughty word yet or not, um, don't get enough credit is that we're so plugged into so many parts of the organization. To your point, Connor, we're the ones talking with um, different teams like operations to figure out where we could be making changes or taking risks to figure out how we can be doing things better, faster to make the, the organization more money. I think that um, that's underappreciated. I always found that I connected dots for other people in a lot of cases because I was plugged into a lot of conversations just to get my work out the door. And, and I think because of that, like CROs carry a lot of culture because there's a lot of change management, getting people comfortable taking risks and to make bigger departures from the current way business as usual, how things are done. Um, but the reward is, is there too. And so I think that that's um, a lot on our shoulders, but that's one of the reasons I'm like so addicted to what I do. <laughs> Is, is it the responsibility of the CRO or whatever they want to call themselves, data decisioner? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, whatever they call themselves, is it their responsibility that when they go into an organization or even before they go into an organization to really understand what it is they're being hired for? Because I feel like that is a crucial point where things could go sideways really quickly if you've got the wrong fit there. I mean, from interviews, you know, it always seems like the, the employer is doing the interviewing, but should the CRO also interview the organization to ensure that fit? Sorry, I 100%, yeah, I 100% think so because there's a lot of people who, you know, someone in senior management attends a conference, here's a presentation about, you know, some really flashy case study about crazy percentage lifts and how much money was made just by switching this one small thing, right? And so they're like, wow, like I need that. And they pull down a job description and, and interview, but you, you have to make sure that your business is ready for accepting and embracing taking risks and challenges and, and for someone to maybe come across something that you've poured your heart and soul into and saying, I think there might be a better way of doing this. And I have the evidence to support it because if you don't truly, like if you're just saying that you're test and learn or that you're data driven, but it's like, it's not really in your, in your blood. Um, it's, it's going to be really hard for you to, uh, to work in that organization. So I think that those would be a lot of questions that I would ask if I was going into a new role like that is like, give me some examples of how you've really been able to accept, um, you know, you've changed the position that you've had or that you've been willing to accept change and, and how does that look? Um, yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of questions to be asked there. Cool. Uh, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I, I can talk from my personal experience here at ASDA because my, my role was brand new um, when, I, when I got it. Um, I worked at ASDA beforehand, but I had some experience at a, at a large bank beforehand running experimentation and setting that, that process up. And um, I think it's fair to say that when I took the role, um, it was basic kind of, you know, the, for example, they were calling it the MVT. Um, I, I can't even remember what the original title was but yeah it was MBT was was you was thrown about a lot um and you know I was when I when I took the role um you know it was a case of you know let's run this test with this very simple platform so I did have to have to get to grips and I was pretty lucky I didn't ask those questions but I was lucky to be able to um expand the role to, to, to doing what it is now but yeah looking back I probably should have asked the questions about whether you know the team and the even the relationship with Walmart was ready for, for, for this as a, as a role, but luckily it, it was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah. 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 My own, my own personal take on that is, yeah, definitely. You have to like vet the organization as much as they vet you because like not every organization is ready. I mean, that mindset is one thing, but like being ready for that risk, uh, you know, taking risks and doing stuff because like, just being in this industry for a while and, you know, I talk to a lot of people through uh, our Slack channel as well, Conversion World, and through effective experiments and, you know, just generally being in the industry and coming across people that have landed CRO jobs in the middle of a replatforming of the system, right? 
or when they get into these organizations and they come up with these ideas only for it to be shot down by the UX team or by the stakeholders. And it, it's just depressing, right? I mean, just imagine not being able to make the change that you feel you can make. Uh, like that seems like, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be in that situation, but I know a lot of people are and sticking through it just for the sake of it. Um, yeah, uh, but again, it's it's that, it's that balance between, you know, on one end of the spectrum, you've got stakeholders who see CRO because of what they've read at, at these conferences or, you know, what they've seen at conferences and these flashy images. And this is why one of the big kind of like uh, things I want to advocate out there is, is really we need to change the narrative around CRO. The, the name can stay as it is. That's not going to go anywhere. But let's change the narrative around it. Let's change it so that senior management kind of understand what it is before they set up their CRO team. Uh, and for the, the CROs as well, that they shoulder the responsibility of, of explaining what their role should be, not what the role, you know, what the given role is, because the given role might just be this cut down version, like run 10 tests a month, right? And that those kind of metrics. And I, and what Tim said in the Slack channel as well, uh, what Chad mentioned was metrics, metrics, metrics is like really get that, hammer that point home. And uh, we'll cover that in other episodes, but it's, it's, it's just that I feel like as an industry, we've gotten to a point of maturity now in that this is needed, but we're still quite far off in that maturity of what CRO actually should be for for uh, for for some organizations out there yeah my uh, i i would i would class my role as leading the team as as winning hearts and minds it's not necessarily about running tests or yeah um you know driving you know results or you know people expect a test to to win but it's about it's about winning hearts and minds to make sure that my team has a long has a future you know um i think you know it's it's quite easy to go to hire someone who's, you know, purely about running a test. Um, and that's probably the wrong thing for some organizations. They probably need someone to come in and, you know, uh, be the evangelist of, of setting the team up in the first place. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of the time, the person who's doing the hiring, you know, and I'm not saying this from experience, but from looking from the outside, looking in, will probably not have very much experience of the, the tool. They might just think it's, you know, it, oh, it's conversion. It's it's easy. Yep. I, I know what that is. So I just need someone <laughs> to deliver the. And again, yep. that kind of goes back to my point. But you you know you see what I'm saying. It's like it's winning winning hearts. And, like I I I don't run tests. I have a team to do that. So, um, but my job is to strategize and make sure that people are aware of what we can do and understand what these swim lanes do and understand how they can get stuff out of our out of me <laughs> out of my team. Yep. So. Um, so that that's kind of yeah, it, it's it's a different take on things, but I completely agree with you, Manuel. I think one of the in the CRO um, state of the industry report that CXL did, the number one pain point was establishing a process, um, and that that was one of the biggest impediments. And if I'm reading between the lines, there it's the process, but it's also of, of the CRO, but it's the process of the broader organization accepting how we can plug into different streams and making sure that it doesn't seem like we're adding time to a product roadmap if we insert some tests and things like that. So I totally agree. It's about winning, winning the hearts and minds. The way I've positioned myself in the past um, is about let's, let's allow our visitors to inform what we do. So like, let's let, let them vote And the, the Sierra program is all about learnings because as soon as I was able to get people away from measuring win rate all the time and focusing on what we called the insight rate, then there was way more uh, tolerance for risk and there was way more uh, buy-in to um, from a resource perspective, but also just like you said, hearts and minds and people willing to really embrace it wholeheartedly. Yeah, perfect. In, in episode two, actually, we, uh, with Alex Abel, we covered a point where uh, the whole, uh, his whole take was, you know, we need to add a human element into conversion optimization, conversion rate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the fact that, you know, when people start these jobs, they go straight into things that they're comfortable with, which is like, you know, digging into the data, running tests and so on and so forth. But his thing was simple. Go and find all the people in your organization, have lunch with them, have lunch with them. Uh, 
he he's doing he's doing a startup called Launchpool, so that's a that's a different story. But <laughs> take them out for coffee, right? Whatever you can you can take them out uh, and just get to know them, get to understand their pain points, see how they plug in in your journey uh, of running tests, and whether you're gonna they're gonna be an ally for you or they're gonna be you know they're gonna have push back on your ideas and that way as you said kind of winning hearts and minds i think is that is that is a really critical soft skill that CROs need to have i know the analytical skills and all that kind of stuff but really being able to you know empathize with the people you work with bring them on your side and then also you know teach them uh, the the experimentation mindset and evangelize it is definitely key in, in, in if we are to make a long-term impact. Otherwise, the flip side is we go in, you know, work for six months running a few tests, and then that conversion rate becomes that metric, which they use it as a hammer to hit on your head after that. You know, if-, yeah. if, well, if I was, yeah. Sorry, go on. Sorry, Mo. I was just gonna say, I really like Valerie's, I really like Valerie's point on, uh, you know, the insight uh, rate, because I think, Again, from the outside looking in at other organizations um, or other chats I've had around the, the industry, um, you know, the CRO team have become a, a make sure that this test wins type, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, team. So, you know, they, they, they have a win rate of 99% or something <laughs> ridiculous, which is, you know, like, you know, we all know that's ridiculous, right? But, you know, that's, that's the pressure they're under because the management who have set the team up have set that up as a as a goal so you know of course you, know, you we can make any metric <laughs> any we can make any test win right so um so it's uh you know that that can that's that's a that's a you know setting a team up to be a false positive is quite ironic you know so <laughs> yeah exactly so there was someone on linkedin the other day who put up a, a meme uh, where you know he said like oh when you peek at a test and it's failing and it was like this person being like really sad or really shocked and I was like firstly why would you peek at a test when it's running and the second thing is so what if it's failing right you're not doing it because you want every test to win and this is why again going back to that we need to change the narrative about conversion rate optimization we're not optimizing conversion rates we're optimizing for learnings right we're optimizing for insights that insights rate maybe it should become iro oh. <laughs> insight rate optimization i like it yeah. <laughs> insight i'm happy with that <laughs> yeah and I, so. I, I just want to say one quick thing on the um, meet with people in your organization to find those allies and especially if you can find someone who is high up in the organization or is on a really is well positioned within the organization to be an evangelist for you to kind of be your mouthpiece for what you do. Even if you can't get everyone bought in at your job like this is a great way to like dive deep with that one team or that one line of business and then let everyone have FOMO right like if you start talking about what you can do and creating all this positive energy and, and working with that crew, other people will be drawn to you. So don't be upset if you can't get everyone to Kumbaya on day one. Um, we actually sold in the testing program at the American Medical Association with this concept of a digital analytics roundtable. So it was a combination of stakeholders and people who did similar things, some front end devs, things like that, where we would just talk about the questions we had. And we, in over a series of two or three meetings, came up with a hypothesis library backlog of like 90 ideas. And a couple of them were like, go do things. Like there were no brainers, like this is broken, we should fix it. But we were able to say like, we can't do this, all these things without a testing tool. And so um, that was how we sold that in because we looked at those opportunities. But the ones we focused on first wasn't necessarily the, the prioritization criteria across all those different lines of business. It was the team that I knew was going to be bought in, who was going to provide the resources, who was going to really embrace any actions or recommendations we had. And that's where we focused first. That was like patient zero. And then we kind of spread from there. And I'm really glad we did that. Like looking back that that was a really good approach because um, we didn't spread ourselves too thin. But that was one of the ways that we, to your, to your point, Connor, again, like winning hearts and minds because I'm, and when I say I agree with that, I also don't want anyone to mistake me for saying that I'm a very committee or committee driven person or um, like let's get 20 people in the rooms until we can all agree on something kind of person yeah. that's like not my style either. <laughs> um, so I think that there's definitely some like strategic moves to your point Manuel earlier about softer skills that lead to the successes of a CRO team. Yeah, definitely. And the, the one on the, just again, on a counter to that, like CROs listening to this might think, yeah, but that's not our KPI. The soft skills, not, not our KPI. And 
something that Chad mentioned yet, uh, in uh, one of the previous podcasts was that uh, A-B testing or you know, testing or experimentation, CR or whatever you want to call it, is seen as you know, this cost center that you're, you're putting money into it. There has to be an ROI. Otherwise, it's not worth it, right? There has to be an ROI. Otherwise, the team's not performing. The conversion rates are not high. So why, why is that team there? But again, it's that changing that narrative. If we can make it that it's, it's about insights and the insights, you know, uh, for, for some like a, a QA team, a quality assurance team is not about ROI, but it's about reducing bugs, right? It's about reducing those bugs so it doesn't have an impact further down the line. There's no direct tangible ROI to that. And it's the same thing with A-B testing as well. If it's too ROI driven, then you end up with people doing all sorts of things. We talked about ethics in the first, ep uh, first episode of the season, and that's primar primarily that. You end up forcing people to do whatever it takes to increase conversions. And then you get situations like Ryanair, for example, that website where they try and like, you know, try to get you to buy insurance by hiding the do not insure me somewhere in, in, in the drop-down list of countries. But, you know, so I think like there, there is a real need for us to have, um, you know, a, a shift from this ROI, you know, let's make more money kind of model to really let's learn about how we can improve uh, the lives of, of the customers that are on the site. And, you know, the money and everything will come as a result of that. I know I might seem a bit too naive in saying that, but there's hope that that might, you know, be where we move towards in the future. Or am I being yeah. too naive? <laughs> it's utopia. It's conversion utopia, that one. <laughs> no, I don't think you're naive at all. I think, um, I think there's obviously, there's a balance to be had in the short term, but I think longer term, I think that's definitely a nice, uh, a nice, a nice objective to have. Um, yeah. I'm certainly trying to do that as much as I can. But like I say, there's a, there's a balance to be had when you've got shareholders. Yeah, definitely. That's the thing, right? That's what we, the, the shareholders want results. They want ROI and you're there saying, yeah, but you know, look at all these amazing things we've learned by our customers from our customers. Um, there, there's an, in, there was an interesting case about six years ago. Do you remember when Marks and Spencer's M&S kind of redeveloped their whole side, redesigned their whole side? And they kind of launched it on day one. I think they've, they, uh, they lost about 8% of sales on day one. And for a, for a large mm -hmm. retailer like M&S to lose that much money on day one was, was a lot. But then it came about that they didn't do certain bits of user testing on that. They didn't do uh, you know, all sorts of like what they should have done. And that's where that ROI gets affected, right? They don't see the inverse of like money saved from testing or or new features or new products or new innovations released as a result of testing. So not everything about testing has mm -hmm. to be about ROI. And I think it needs someone to champion that as well in the organization. Yeah. That's why that insight rate was such a critical pivot for me is we, so for the purposes of being able to compare our tests and analysis, it wasn't like, you know, writing a, a, a promise, it wasn't a contract of uplift, but we annualized our impact so that we could look at the relative lift test over test. It was a way of just creating a, a baseline to like normalize it a bit. And so we started creating the inverse of that of how much would we have lost annualized if we hadn't um, tested this. And so that helps with the conversation and the communication of results, especially with next steps. It's like, I saved your butts, like this whole program, what we did here, like imagine if we had just gone with that because no one tests an alternate variation thinking yeah. it's going to tank. Everyone has like is tied to it, like in their gut, like I know this is going to be better. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the user research said it would be, or I found this in the data and I know that this is going to be better. But no one, no one puts it out like, well, this is going to dud because I want to prove that the current control is better. Like that's not how anyone yeah. approaches it. So it helps with some of that cognitive dissonance when people see your results of saying like, but I thought it would be better and it's not. If you can say, Good thing we tested. Like, what if we hadn't? You know, yeah, yeah, this yeah, would have been the loss. So I think it's a big part of that. But just to take it back, I'm gonna um, go back to the the topic of today. Do we feel like any of these issues that we're talking about here culturally within our organizations are harder for us because of our title as CRO? I would say yes. Again, because of the the preconceptions that that get attached to that role. Uh, but I don't feel that name's going away anywhere soon. It's going to be there. 
but we need to change the definition of that. So we, we should, uh, you know, CRO should just become, it shouldn't become, um, it shouldn't stand for conversion rate optimization. It should just be CRO. It doesn't stand for anything. Uh, you know, we're not going to like break it down into words or anything. We're just going to define that as this whole big piece of work that involves multiple disciplines, multiple, that's my take on it. Could, could, we just, could we just change the words to something like completely radically optimization or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> we could try. So that, we you know, st- as, as I said earlier, that this uh, conversation has been going on for ages and people can never agree on it, right? You know, CXO, BRO, BO, whatever you want to call it, IRO, you know, so it's, you can, we can throw all the, all the names in the hat, but like for people, again, we'd end up becoming hypocritical because when we go and position ourselves out there, it's all about conversion and it's all about optimize, you know, improving conversions. Like so that's the whole, that's the whole challenge we yeah. face. Um, so whether we rename the names, the industry as a whole needs to like suddenly wake up one day and say, okay, it's completely radical optimization now. It's not CRO. It's like, that's, <laughs> that's harder to change, I think, than hearts and minds. So I, I don't think we're unique in this, no, though. Like, I definitely think you, you brought up earlier SEO, Manuel. Like, there's totally different factions within that. Like, people who are super technical, some people yeah. who just focus on content marketing, but they consider themselves SEO, but they still work with that name. Or even before I was in digital analytics, I was in market research, which is synonymous with survey research. But I actually spent 50% of my time doing focus groups and ethnographies and shop alongs and in-store and things like that. But market research was the umbrella term because what I was doing was research on the market, you know? So CRO again is like optimization of the valuable actions on the site because that's my interpretation of conversion rate. And if that's the way that it's defined, like I'm, I feel pretty good about it actually. Like I don't like, again, because I don't, I don't think that that's what's holding us back. I think it's more the organization fully putting their arms around what we can do, but I don't think it's the title necessarily that's putting us in the box. I think it's, um, it's the narrative, like what you said, what you said earlier, that would be my, my stance. Okay. That's good. Any closing thoughts there, Connor, from your end? Uh, I think, um, I, I think, well, I, yeah, I, I agree. We're not going to change the, the title. I agree. We need to change the narrative. Um, I think we can only do it um, each business at a time. So maybe when I'm done at ASDA, I can do it in my next job. And then you've got a lifestyle ahead to... of you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, yeah. We've not invented cloning or time travel yet. So we'll try and figure <laughs> yeah. out how you, how you managed to do all of that. <laughs> Maybe we should maybe we should create a group that goes around organizations and and Trojan horse the Trojan horse group. <laughs> Trojan horse groups. Uh, you know what? What I think as as uh, as an industry, I think we need an initiative that actually everyone kind of signs up to, like a bit like the Agile Manifesto, right? I don't know if you're familiar with that. Like every you know, yeah. so, some people put it together. Everyone said, yeah, we subscribe to that. Tweak it. You know, let's let's. I think we need to put something like that together. I'm game for that, right? I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's put together cool. the CRO manifesto about not doing CRO or something <laughs> like that, right? And I, I think we need to get this the is anti, not the anti CRO. Yeah, the anti CRO. Yeah, yeah. But but this is this is not something that it should be led by one person. I don't believe like you know any one person should do it, right? Because if we're doing it as an industry, there has to be that industry element in there. Like everyone has to subscribe and say like, if you're doing agile, for example, like just because that seems to be the relevant reference point over them. Like the agile manifesto, like, like people subscribe to it. Some people like, you know, subscribe to bits of it, but generally that's like kind of, except that that's good. I hope I'm getting my facts right over there. But generally speaking, I think we need something like this in CR as well. A, a code of conduct, you know, in the way we do things the right way as well, rather than just like, you know, doing, and also that something that senior management can look at and say, okay, you know, I've seen these behaviors in a conversion optimizer, they're doing it right. And they're not, you know, they're not just blagging away and saying like, yeah, we've got like X amount of conversions. We've done like a hundred tests or whatever. And then when someone digs deeper into it, they're like, well, that those hundred tests, only 10 of them actually make sense. 
the rest of them. You're just pushing <laughs> stuff around, right? So it's like that. I think that the the the, the age of quality in CRO should like begin. I think you know, and yeah. I, I'm I'm happy to like you know get people together. Like that's my thing. I love getting people together, and you know, pull this initiative in place. So if you guys are up for it, you know, let's do it. Hundred percent. There should be a list in there about I vow to never test button colors. <laughs> yeah, signed in signed in blood as well. Like. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they they don't do that. Maybe button color tests will become really important in a couple of years. Who knows? That's <laughs> but, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they they won't be able to test on that. But we we'll cross that bridge once we come to it. But yeah, it's it's been um, great having you guys on today. Uh, it, we've had a good discussion on this. I hope uh, people listening at home in the car in the office, you know, you guys have gotten a lot of value out of this. Uh, by the time you listen to this, hopefully we will be a bit further on from putting together that anti-CRO manifesto uh, to be titled again, whatever, whatever the title is. Uh, but I hope we'll get you some more information on that. Um, you've been uh, listening to Conversion Nations brought to you by Effective Experiments. My name is Manuel da Costa. And if you want to catch up with any of the previous episodes from season one and season two, they are available on our website on effectiveexperiments.com. Uh, if you prefer the audio versions, uh, it will be available on Apple Podcast and Spotify as well as Stitcher. So check us out over there. Uh, but I'd like to thank our guests, uh, Connor. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you for joining us. You, you are also welcome Thanks. to join us again. There is a uh, conversion nations kind of operates on a revolving door policy. So if ever you feel like you want to join, you know, again, uh, even if it's a topic you don't want to talk about, we have conversations over here. We're not preaching stuff. I hope not, but yeah. And, yeah, I'd love, uh, I'd love to. I'd love and to. Valerie, again, pleasure having you on. Uh, you know, we, we hope to have you on for a lot more uh, episodes this season. Um, yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, cool guitars in the background as well. <laughs> Thank you. Are, are they just, just for show or do you listen to them? Do you play them as well? I play them. So these first two here are mine, the acoustic and that red sparkly one. The other three are my husband, but I did my first open mic two weeks ago. So Wow. Are you going to compose the theme tune for Conversion Nations at any point? Oh, let's let's work on that manifesto first. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, I, I have guitar envy. I, I'm a guitarist as well. I've got, oh, that's I've your got LinkedIn picture. Role, but... That's your LinkedIn picture. You play yeah, guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Nice. I've not got well, anything as, as, as nice as those Gibsons. But <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully in a future episode, we'll see Valerie playing that, like a conversion <laughs> optimization interlude. I like right. it. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a nice day yeah. and speak soon. Bye. Yeah. Bye. You've been listening to Conversion Nations. Don't forget to subscribe to get notified when we release new updates. Conversion Nations is brought to you by Effective Experiments. Want to make experimentation a core part of your business? Request your demo and let us show you how we can help you grow your testing program.